Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, May 29th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the White Whale Rockaway Special. Let's take a listen. Hello, hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Great, great. Let's wait a couple of minutes, let people trickle in. We're also waiting on Sandcom. He said to me he's going to join us all, so it's going to be a fun space. Looking forward to it. Plus, spaces have been getting a lot more stable, right, in the last few weeks, I think. Uh, so, hopefully, it's all going to hold up today. Nice come. Yeah, I, uh, I think they improved a lot, actually, the spaces, the quality. Um, they, they're not going to get rocked anymore, at least not as often. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Greetings. Hey, nice come. How are you doing, Martin? Doing pretty well. All ready for, for Prague or still hustling? Absolutely. Yes. Well, there's always the hustle, but we're ready. Fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to this. I think it's going to be, if it's going to be half as fun as last year, I think we're going to have a great time. I think it's going to be twice as fun this year. There's the extra day. Uh, so we can pack in a lot more talks. Uh, and there's a bunch of content coming in. So I think you guys will have more fun. I remember the, the party you guys threw last year. It wasn't some kind of club and they served like really nice ham there. I hope the guys there as well. I love Addictus ham. It was crazy. Yeah, I think they also trucked in a DJ from somewhere. I can't remember the specifics anymore. So uh, last gateway sort of in a blur. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff prepared for today. It's going to be the valid meetup awesome. with Skip. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I, I was attending last year. That was my first crypto conference ever. Um, and uh, I really got to appreciate it after uh, after because uh, I attended several other crypto conferences. And I have to say, it was so well organized. And uh, yeah, I, I really loved it. So um, yeah, props to you. The little, little block here for you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, the guys have been putting work into this since you know February or something. So it's it it takes a lot of effort to prepare. So it's much appreciated that you know uh, people notice. All right. Uh, let's wait like one or two more minutes, and then we can we can get rolling. Sure. Let's chill out. Two two guys. Well, everybody's waiting. You guys know the drill from the community calls. Hashtag ride the whale. Retweet the space. So more people find it. Yeah, Sencom, yeah. uh, you're gonna introduce a, a new hashtag today, huh? <laughs> Looking really forward to that one. Yeah, it, it could be fun. Let's see. Let's see. But one step at a time here. All right. Uh, I think we we can get rolling. So um, 
the purpose of the space today we we have obviously martin with us today so um he's gonna introduce himself first but uh we also gonna reveal um a product of rockaway where uh, Ma martin is working and um yeah I, I think it's gonna be fun we're gonna talk about decentralization really important topic um I guess let's let's dive right into it. Um, welcome, Martin. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, how did you get into crypto, and uh, what are you doing now? Hey guys, uh, for, stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, how did I get into crypto? Um, interestingly, I stumbled on the Tendermint source code on GitHub uh, when I was researching something, and uh, you know I started reading it. I'm like, hey, what's that? And then I realized there's a whole sort of ecosystem out there uh, that's, uh, you know, relying on this and, and using this for, uh, uh, you know, for decentralized sort of asset management or for decentralized um, consensus. And uh, I got really interested in this. Uh, and coincidentally, I was going to change jobs. Uh, and I've discovered, you know, hey, there is a shop in Prague that's heavily into uh, blockchain tech. And, uh, you know, I decided to join them um, after doing some, you know, like doing some research for, for like a month or two. I became super interested in what blockchain has to offer society um, as of right now. And um, yeah, that got me into this. The rest is history. I, the Rockaway X Labs, which, which I had uh, started last year in March. And since then, we first started uh, building products um, that were internal, so they were not available to the public, but they service, for example, the credit fund. We were monitoring um, you know, flows through smart contracts and um, you know who to lend money. We were auditing smart contracts, who to lend money to, who not to, based on technical um, considerations. I mean, there was a whole you know bunch of traders in there. But then we got to thinking about, hey, what are these things actually running on? You know, how safe is the infrastructure under this? You know, who's taking care of the infrastructure? Who's looking at this? And that's where we're actually um, we're actually today. That's really interesting. So you you uh, actually. Uh like discovered the the code first and uh, not like cryptocurrencies first that's that's a uh, sencom do you, do you want to say something yes hence the raised hand uh, martin i wonder what made you stick in crypto I, I mean you know everybody got into crypto but we had so many ups and downs over the last couple of years what made you stay Uh, it's an excellent question, actually. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure if we can. I I'm already qualified as a stayer after after a year of work. But um, um, yeah, I guess why I'm still why why I'm here, excited about this, why I'm here, and why we're doing in particular the things that we're doing. That I guess we're going to talk about in a bit. Is I do believe that blockchain is a new way to organize large groups of people. Right, the economy runs on trust. Um, you can buy, you know, from an e-shop across the world, get stuff shipped to you. That's all based on trust, right? If you didn't believe that was that you get the product, you'll never buy. And uh, there are a lot of ways to facilitate this trust. And blockchain is just a new way to do that. It's a new way to build a system that is credibly trustable by many, many different parties so that it can ex exchange goods or services, you know, on top of this uh, infrastructure. That's what I think is, is giving me the goosebumps here. For a long time, my, my Twitter po profile description read, the era of paper promises is coming to an end. And I can very much relate to you what's, about what's interesting in this space and you know, the decentralization and reorganization of how the world works 
instead of based on trust, based on on math and transparent functions and predictable functions. So yeah, very interesting. Thank you very much. That's right, and I, and I do believe sort of like the, the the math and the transparency is what then allows you to create the extra trust on top of it, right? So it's um, it, it's just like a new way of people to review things together, um, you know, have have insight into things together, and then build belief, uh, you know, build their trust in the system and say, okay, this is some this is somewhere where I can transact. This is somewhere where I can run, you know, um, when I can do my business, run my business, and this is just infrastructure. Um, you know, Visa is infrastructure, right? I mean, all of us trust Visa, or some of us let trust, trust Visa less, some of us are left out from Visa. Uh, but, you know, your bank will issue a Visa card. I mean, that's how it works. You don't get to choose. You don't get to think about this. You don't get any insight. You have no idea how much fraud there is in Visa unless Visa publishes. So there's this this old way of, of building trust, and blockchain is just like an entirely new alternative. And I think today is a, or these days, this is a time where it's definitely the right time to look into alternatives and try and understand how else we could work together well. Yeah, and that is actually the perfect pivot. <laughs> um, you, you build a perfect bridge because um, we, we build these decentralized open systems, right? But what does actually decentralization mean and how how is it that it can organize um, people um, or groups in a totally new way? Um, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Right. Um, to sort of also, let me take a step back first and talk about credible neutrality, right? One, uh, one essay that really got me thinking was the essay by Vitalik uh, called Credible Neutrality. Uh, it was about Ethereum um, at that time or blockchains in, in, in general. But credible neutrality says two very important things. One, um, in order to be able to use an infrastructure um, and just you know believe that you can stay on it, you will not be kicked off on it for, for no reason, that infrastructure needs to be in some sense neutral. And the credibility part is even more important. It's, it doesn't just have to be neutral. You have to be able to demonstrate it and explain it to people, right? So that they can then have trust in the system and then you can actually grow your ecosystem. The the decentralization part. So that's a decentralization. I think is a word that's super often used um, in blockchain, and it's it's a word that's uh, you know it's easy to say, but it's hard it's hard to actually do. In, in some sense, I'd say it's easy to talk to talk, but it's hard to walk the walk. Right? Decentralization is a property of systems, which avoids um, single points of control, which can negatively affect the system. Right. So what you're trying to do if you're decentralizing a system is you're trying to distribute the power to control and change the systems into many hands uh, so that no one or few entities can go and somehow negatively affect the community or um, other parties in the system. I'd like to piggyback on, on what you just said, Martin. And I think there's a misconception between the binary of centralization and decentralization. You know, people often tend to think in black and white, and in a lot of cases, it makes sense. But in the case of centralization and decentralization, not so much because really it's a highly dimensional um, problem or highly dimensional system. Centralization or decentralization isn't just visible in the Nakamoto index of, of now let's talk specifically about a chain here. It's not visible only in the Nakamoto index of the chain. There are so many different metrics of decentralization that you can never say it's decentralized or it's centralized because it's it's like a spectrum 
And it's not a spectrum with a slider. It's a spectrum with a slider in many different dimensions. You can have, for example, the Nakamoto index. You can have distribution geographically. You can have jurisdictionally distributions. You can have how many teams are working on it or how many people. Because even if you have you know, great decentralization of nodes, if the core team you know, is the only guys working on it and they stop working on it, then, then it's over. Is it then really decentralized? And um, without going too much into this, as we will talk about this later, I just wanted to make sure that everybody understands that decentralization is really multidimensional um, system and there's not just yes or no. It, it's, it's yes, maybe, maybe more a little bit, that kind of thing. I, I 100% agree. Uh, decentralization is a very complex topic. It's, it's, it's sophisticated. And also, it's, it's hard to keep decentralization up. You think you've set up a system to be decentralized and you, know, you walk away, you come back in a few months and suddenly you know, something has centralized somewhere because centralization tendencies are super powerful I, across all of these dimensions that you were talking about because systems get centralized almost automatically. You do something well, um, you, know, you get more money, uh, you become richer, uh, you have more influence. That's sort of like a centralization vector. Right then, you, if you do lots of something, you start getting economies of scale. You can you can do more and more and more cheaply, and that's another centralization vector. So actually, one thing is to is to really understand that decentralization is a multi-dimensional, it's a many-dimensional thing. It goes across token holders, it goes across infrastructure, it goes across development teams, software clients. You know, we could just keep on naming things. But the main message here, I think, is if you are serious about trying to be decentralized or, or improving your decentralization and uh, or increasing it, it takes work. That I think is the, the, the one thing that we find is, is really important to talk to people. Decentralization isn't at all automatic. It has to be taken care of. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think um, you, hit, you hit the nail um, when you said that there's you know, a natural tendency towards centralization. So the question is, how can we create decentralized systems or decentralized systems further and ensure they stay sufficiently decentralized. And I think two of the most important things here is one, creating transparency, just showing everybody this is where we're at. Because if you don't know, you know where centralization happens, you cannot counteract it. You know, I don't want to talk bad about you know, the legacy world or politics, but a lot of things happen in the dark and in back rooms there. And that's why one of the reasons we see so much um, consolidation of power in the world we live in right now. And I think transparency is arguably the most important thing for decentralization. And th the second most important thing, I believe, is making decentralization easy and accessible for all. And Martin, I think you at Rockaway Labs, you have identified the same things, which is why you built the observatory, which I hope um, we get into. And, you know, towards my second point, making it easy, decentralization, making it easy. You have something in store for us as well here today. So I'm excited to hear what That's you're right. saying. Right. Um, so so on the, yep. real quick, uh, before we dive into this, could you please, I know uh, we, we have a pretty sophisticated audience here, but please uh, explain in one or two sentences what the Nakamoto coefficient is. So everybody is on board here, and then we can dive into the uh, observatory. 
The, so the Nakamoto coefficient is a number, um, and the number signifies the smallest, this the size of the smallest set of validators that can collude together to stop the chain. So this, if you take the validators from largest to smallest uh, by voting power, and you keep adding that voting power, keep building that basket, the validator at which you get to one third of the voting power, that's the one uh, that's the final in the Nakamoto set. And, the, and the, the number of validators in that basket is the Nakamoto coefficient. And that's talking about the Nakamoto coefficient um, from the perspective of individual validators, right? So as, as Sencon previously said, maybe one more point to this, decentralization has to be tracked across multiple dimensions. Now, the, the tooling that we developed, the, the observatory doesn't um, capture all of those dimensions. That needs to be said really clearly. The observatory focuses on a part of the chain that's connected to infrastructure, that's associated with infrastructure. As such, we look at how the chain is decentralized or dispersed across various dimensions that we specialize on. The, 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 the traditional, the typical dimension that you see mentioned everywhere is the dimension of validator voting power. And that's connected with the vanilla, with the original Nakamoto coefficient. So the Nakamoto coefficient for, uh, for the Migalo blockchain is 10, uh, while your validator set is 50, which is pretty nice. Nice. Uh, thanks for the explanation. And uh, the Nakamoto coefficient, uh, just to hammer it really home here, is, um, is for liveness or, um, or the, the, for, is for liveness or the, the other, I forgot the name is, uh, is it, um, I mean, the, the control, the malleability, there, there are two, uh, um, one is the Nakamoto coefficient is important for liveness, right? At one third of the voting power. And if you actually manage to take over 67% of the voting power of the network, then you can sign your own blocks, right? If you suddenly control, uh, the, the, that amount of voting power, but if you control one third or above of the voting power, then you can, you can halt the network. And sensor transactions, right? Um, and sensor transactions. That's right. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So now that we defined the Nakamoto coefficient, uh, we can really dive, dive deep into the observatory. Um, the, the transparency tool that you guys have launched, which is really awesome. Sencom uh, said it already. Um, transparency is one of the most important things um, which separates or distinguishes our industry uh, to the to the traditional world, so to speak. Um, and and you guys do do a huge part in that. Uh, so talk a little bit uh, about the observatory, um, which kind of parameters go into it um, and um, yeah what what did you identify as the most important variables when it comes to decentralization right so the uh, idea as you guys said the observatory is a tool which which we hope you know sort of equalizes the playing field and giving everybody insight into what the state of the blockchain uh, that's being monitored currently is just to reinforce the message um, we currently monitor closely uh, three blockchains Uh, Migaloo, Chain for Energy, and Stargaze. Those are being regularly scanned and operated on, so you can have a look uh, at the observatory and see what you see, uh, see about those uh, chains. But the other chains that we are showing there, they're not getting regularly scanned. Uh, we're not really good about showing this on the website. We definitely will rectify that uh, as soon as possible and make sure those levels of support are clear. But back to the observatory now, if you can you know, have a look at, uh, at Migaloo, you'll see on the initial dashboard that we're showing 
different uh, sort of aspects of decentralization and the ones we focus on. And again, there are others. So this is by no means, you know, covering everything, but the ones that, that, that we've decided to focus on are basically um, validated voting power, which um, I guess is, has to be there. But then we look at decentralization across um, uh, three other important metrics, two of which are very closely coupled together. One is countries. Uh, countries, of course, are units of jurisdiction. Therefore, countries can enforce some sort of rule uh, on the validators that are inside the country, you know, or, or even on legal entities which are inside uh, which are inside the country. We look at where validators are located, so you sort of understand where the validators um, reside um, across countries. And we do the same thing for internet service providers. There is another dimension on the website which is more technical, called autonomous service numbers or autonomous service uh, systems. And that's actually, I don't want to go into too much detail here. It's a unit of connectivity of the internet. The internet is made of many, many autonomous systems which are talking together, talking to each other. In ASNs, all you need to know, I guess, for, for now is they're closely coupled to internet service providers. It tends to be one-to-one, -one, except for one bigger ones, which is actually why we have it here, because like AWS will have multiple autonomous systems for it. So it's important to sometimes track it, but for Migaloo, I think it's we can just disregard this right now because the, these um, the distributions match very nicely already. So these are the sort of key uh, aspects of decentralization that we're focusing on. And of course, the ISP dimension, the internet service provider dimension is I think even more important than a country dimension, right? And if something happens in a country, um, you know, if it's a democratic country, uh, there has to be some, some, some laws enacted or there has to be some, uh, some notices have to be provided. There is a due process. An internet service provider is a company. They can define or change their terms of service tomorrow and they can decide to do business or not do business with, with anyone they want. So they're sort of like a more immediate risk to the blockchain if there's any risk coming. Uh, and it can sort of happen without warning or quickly, uh, as was evidenced uh, last, uh, that there was a shutdown of all the validators of Solana, which is a proof of stake chain that were running inside Hetzner. They've just decided to go ahead and firewall all of them after changing the uh, after changing the terms of service, they gave everybody some something like three or four months. And three or four months after they did that, they just decided uh, they're booting everybody. And they they took out the validators at the same time, immediately. So we're looking at the monitoring and just within, within a few minutes, 20% uh, of the stake went offline. So ISP is something that I think we should focus on, uh, on more um, when thinking about you know, uh, blockchain safety. And I think ISPs, it's a very interesting point you raise. Not only is it, is it a company, so there's centralization of power there, but also the internet doesn't work perfectly. So it doesn't provide the strongest guarantees like we have with blockchain. And there, there are mistakes that happen on a large scale in the internet. Luckily, they don't happen too often lately, but historically there have been some, some massive failures of um, how, how do I best phrase it, where the routing protocols put in some wrong routing tables and it took days until they have been fixed everywhere in the world. So parts of the internet weren't accessible in different parts of the world. So Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, you're referring to, I know some high profile outages of this, of this kind. If you remember famously, Facebook was offline. Yeah, Facebook, I think YouTube was hit, was hit as well, but yeah. GP tables. So that's what you're talking yeah. about. 
you're adding to this border gateway protocol. Yeah, so exactly. So suddenly their their entire infrastructure became a gaping black hole, right? So you couldn't get in. You could, they found out their doors were connected to their domains, which didn't work. So you open the doors. Uh, but also, you know, adversaries do this all the time. Uh, I mean, it's well known. I used to work in cybersecurity before. It's well known that some operators uh, will reroute, um, you know, BGP routes so that traffic is routed through them so they can scan more of it. Um, <clears throat> things like this happen on the internet. Uh, so absolutely, um, you know, an ISP is a unit of connectivity as well. And something can either happen by accident or, or you know, it can happen intentionally. So the Hetzner shutdown of Solana was intentional. The CEO made a call and they just uh, shut everything down. But what can also happen is someone can make a mistake and take down the whole, you know, sort of AS off, offline. I guess that's what you were, you know, referring to Syncom as a, yeah, as a exactly. Um, exactly. So the bottom line here really is, even though most of us don't get into contact with the backbone technologies of the internet anymore, it, it's not perfect. Mistakes happen, and there is corruption, um, or there can be corruption happening, and that's why, you know, focusing on decentralization or decentralizing the the distribution of the nodes when it comes to the internet is a very important metric as well. 100%. And what's one more thing that's really important about decentralization. Decentralization is about capping the effect of catastrophes, right? In case they happen. It's not focusing on the probability of catastrophes. I mean, you can ask questions like, hey, when did the last you know, data center go offline? That doesn't happen very often. And my response to that is always like, look, if you want to manage a billion in, in you know, TVL on, on the blockchain, I'm not really interested in probabilities. I'm, I'm trying to, like, what I want to see is how you're moving ahead of these risks. And decentralization is exactly that. It's exactly moving ahead of these risks. Decentralizing across more ISPs means if one of them just makes the call and shuts things down, if you lose 10% of the network, that can be back in no time and you've had, you have a large safety margin. So this is the way we think you know, blockchains should protect themselves and think about, uh, think about safety by decentralizing, which means getting ahead of the risk. And just mitigating that risk, like reducing its um, reducing its bite. Real quick, before before we go uh, continue, um, P, and I'd like to ask you, Martin. I, I think with Observatory, you, you already have quite a quite a good product. I've seen you debating with some of our validators. I mean, there's always back and forth, and even if, if the product is perfect, there's always you know people who don't like it because of you know various interests. And you can't make everybody happy. That being said, I wonder what's your plan for the future development of Observatory? I mean, you touch, your, you touch a really interesting point. And I think, so I want to sort of come back to this. So the Observatory isn't perfect. Locating validators and locating sentry nodes uh, like into these different ISPs takes a lot of work and it's hard. Tenderend actually uh, does a reasonable job of trying to hide uh, where which validator is. We've developed special tech and it's, it's essentially a custom data science pipeline. It's like a machine learning model, which identifies like these source nodes, right? So it's definitely not perfect at, even now. It provides, so we stand behind the fact that it provides a very useful overview, but we're not saying 100% of the data there is correct. And one type of one type of problem that we've stumbled upon that we don't know how to solve, which we should definitely you know, air here, is some validators run pretty complex infrastructure so they don't have one validator node, they can have three. Uh, they're connected together and they talk to each other and they sign packets together. Uh, one, one method to do this is called Horcrux. Um, some, sometimes there can be remote signers. So I don't wanna get into all the details here, but the infrastructure can be pretty um, large. Uh, 
And when the infrastructure is larger, the observatory sometimes doesn't see all of it. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. We're continuously working to improve this part and uh, you know, push the, the boundaries of what we can discover forward to give that transparency and, and inspectability of the network, hopefully for everybody. But what has to be said now is while we, we consider this super useful, and I think it gives you a good insight into the global distribution of the network, it can uh, mislabel some of the validators. Very well put. Um, for for the guys who are still wondering what the hell are these people talking about, um, I put a, a comment into the, or uh, I appended a comment on the spaces here. So you can see it yourself. Um, it's, it's a website where you can see all the metrics that the observatory is tracking right now regarding decentralization of Migaloo. And uh, you can have a look uh, for yourself, uh, have a visualization uh, of what we are talking about, essentially. Um, so um, maybe before we do uh, the announcement of the observatory challenge, maybe um, that we, we already touched uh, on this a little bit, but how can me, uh, people make best use of the observatory? Uh, what would you say about that? So I think it's uh, when you're researching a new chain or when you're considering, you know, um, getting into a community and, and looking at what, the, you know, trying to get a sense of what the blockchain looks like. There are various aspects you want to look at, like, you know, what is it, what are their tokenomics? What does the team look like? Um, what are what are these? What is this chain actually doing? Right. Is it is it is it viable? Um, Etc. And one of the one of the things you may want to look at is, you know, who are the validators on this chain? Um, what what does the chain layout look like? Uh, is this infrastructure something that I'd consider, uh, you know, that, that you'd consider safe and healthy? It's hard to evaluate that uh, for retail person. We're trying to make this as sort of as intuitive as possible, but while recognizing look infrastructure is, is isn't very simple. So one use case here would be just you know post this and have a discussion with 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 people. Say hey, does, what does this chain look like? What what do you guys see here? And sort of have a have have a dig dig around and understand you know what's going on. Um, Another way to use the observatory, which is sort of our favorite way, is to understand where and how the system could be improved. And that's sort of one of the um, main reasons why we built the observatory. We don't just want to score, uh, show scores. What we'd love to do is help, as we, as we talked earlier, you know, supporting decentralization takes work and it's hard. It requires sometimes incentives and, and a change of the alignment of incentives to sort of help people decentralize, to, to fund them to decentralize. So, for example, this allows a foundation to go and talk to validators which are located in a DC, which is overcrowded, like in, in for, for um, Miguel, you know, that would be OBH and Hetzner. And, you know, have a discussion with them, what would it take to move you guys out of this data center? Like, is, you know, is, are you incurring more expenses? Are you not? Like, it's, it's, it would be hard to have this discussion without having a tool like the observatory, which points the problem, points out the problem in the first place. And then you can go and chat with people and say, hey, who would be an amenable to move? Or you can somehow create incentive systems around you know, uh, encouraging decentralization. So this would actually be the favorite uh, way of using the observatory. And we have built other tools on top, which were not the focus of the discussion today, which already sort of do that partially. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and 
to uh, encourage the use of the observatory, uh, we actually thought about like how can we incentivize um, that people that have uh, plainly staked on Migaloo, and that is maybe also one important point to mention. So um, if, if you're using an uh, LSD, like um, our partnership with Backbone Labs, who are in the audience right, right now as well, uh, shout out, or uh, if you're using um, ARIS protocol, um, you cannot use the observatory to re-delegate your stake because the LST uh, provider is doing that for you automatically. But if you stake plainly to the chain, um, you can make use of the observatory. And um, we launched um, a, a cool challenge, community challenge, to further decentralize the Migaloo network. Um, Sencom, do you want to say something? Oh no! Oh, go ahead. Uh, feel free. Feel free to jump at any time. Um, and we we set uh, the challenge with uh, certain milestones. Um, so milestone number one, we already talked about the Nakamoto uh, coefficient, is to to raise the Nakamoto coefficient by one. Uh, currently, Migaloo has a Nakamoto coefficient of 10. We want to raise that to 11. Uh, milestone two is uh, straightforward as well. Um, we're going to raise the Nakamoto uh, coefficient uh, by one um, again, so that the Nakamoto coefficient is 12. Milestone three, um, we, we raised the Nakamoto coefficient to 12 and reduce the use of Hetzner and OVH to uh, a max of 40% combined. Um, maybe uh, Martin or Senkam, you can explain in one or two sentences what are uh, Hetzner and OVH, so uh, OVH, sorry, uh, so that people get an idea. The, those are cloud providers essentially, right? Sorry, if I, should I go for Senkam? Go ahead. Yes, so, so OEH and Hetzer are, are well-used um, providers of computing infrastructure, uh, for which are heavily used, <coughs> excuse me, across the Cosmos um, ecosystem. And, you know, Migaloo does have a lot of stake concentrated in those two, in those two um, centers. But being, being a young chain, that's absolutely not, um, you know, surprising because frequently when uh, chains are starting up, uh, providers spin up these nodes and they spin them up inside uh, one, you know, one of a few uh, data centers. The challenge now is you know, how to uh, then make sure later as the chain develops, how to make sure this decentralization is, is improved or increased. So OVH and Hetzner are two big providers uh, used a lot by, by quite a few chains. Thanks for that context. Uh, yes, yeah, I want to add something here. Namely that OVH and Hetzner are frequently used because they're cheap. So, so there's something that Martin touched on earlier. If you offer you know, great products, cheap services, you naturally concentrate a lot of you know, users. And that just happens in the cosmos with Hetzner a lot because their, you know, their rates are just insane. I mean, you can run validators and it's so cheap, it's ridiculous. But then you get this, you know, issue of centralization where, for example, they shut down all of, this, 
all of the Solana nodes. And we don't want something to this or something like this to happen on the Cosmos ecosystem or on Megaloo um, specifically. So hence, you know, these challenges. I think the Nakamoto index of 10, considering a chain of 50 validators, is already quite well. I mean, there's the theoretic limit of 16, but if we can, you know, 10 is already good. If we can raise it to 12, this is, you know, top level. But, you know, the, the, the centralization of where the validator nodes are, that, that's a little bit of a pain point for Megaloo. And that could end, you know, critical if, for example, you know, Hetzner decides to shut down all, all Cosmos nodes. So hence we do this um, challenge to decentralize and make the, the whole network more robust. And circling back to, to the point of, of cost, of validator costs, I think a lot of Cosmos chains made the um, large mistake of going with huge amount of validator sets. Because you have to think, first of all, you don't need many active validators for decentralization. If you have 200 validators, but still you have a Nakamoto index of five, you know, there's nothing, there's little gain. We have a small active set, but we still achieve one of the best decentralization scores in the whole Cosmos ecosystem. So you don't need large active validator sets. And second, every validator adds self-pressure to the network because every validator needs to cover costs. And if they you know, rank low in the spots and they have bad um, you know, low revenue, they naturally tend to go to these cheaper ones like Hetzner or OVH. So one way to sustainably solve this natural you know, this drive towards the cheap, cheap cloud providers is to make validating the network profitable. Because then you can go to the validators and tell them, hey, you make this much amount of money, let's say 200 a month, you can afford more than 10 bucks a month on Hetzner. You can afford the $100 bill. And that's why I think we, we made the right decision in keeping the active set small. And personally, one of my goals is to make sure that every validator on Megaloo earns at least $150 a month, because then we can point fingers and tell, all right, you make enough money to sufficiently or to use sufficient infrastructure, not on the cheapest providers. That makes uh, absolute sense. Um, I think you guys were very wise to go with a smaller validator set earlier, because also there are a lot of discussions that need to happen around this, right? And, and, and the community has to hash out how to achieve um, these changes because it's look by by no it's by no means easy, right? What we're trying to do here, and uh, I'm so happy White Whale is, is is into this. White Whale is taking decentralization seriously, and we've had a lot of conversations around this. Uh, the reason I'm excited about this is, is I think this is for the first time uh, that an experiment is happening in this cosmos where we're looking to um, you know whip up the power of the community and understand if the, you know how the community is engaged and if it's interested in this. And we, we give you these tools so you can have a look at what the chain is now and ask for better, right? Ask for, hey, can we move this here? Could, we, could this happen? So this is, um, and if validators see that, if validators see that the community is, is into this, it's committed to this, and it's willing to stake on them if they move out, then this will promote 
you know, movement from these overcrowded data centers in, uh, into other data centers because validators see, oh, wow, okay, somebody moved and they're actually getting more stake now to cover the costs and, and, and then something. So maybe it makes sense for me to move as well. But the validators, if they're strapped now for revenue, they are not going to entertain these moves because they're just not making money to cover those validators and not everyone can afford to run at a loss. Some validators are, are running at a loss because they validate another chain so they can sponsor uh, let's say some a chain like Migaloo for a while, but in general, in, I think what Sencom was saying was is absolutely hits the nail on the head. It, it needs to be economically viable for them to decentralize, and that's also another way you can use the observatory. If you now stake on validators, you can look at the validator and you know look at the look at the score, and there's a there's a video that will help you with this. And if you stake on these other validators, then hopefully. Um, you know, validators who are inside Hector will see this and then you'd be incentivized to move because they'll be also looking to get more stake. And if the community actually cares about this, then they will uh, most likely, um, you know, be able to get it. They'll believe that they can get that stake. So this whole um, this whole idea of making it making these facts transparent to the community, making these sorry, observations and these uh, these systems available is to get you guys to use your voice to help those validators and your assets to help those validators decentralize. And, and talking specific about Migaloo here, so the the validator ranking at, at spot 50, I think it's Gabby, and he has around 50 million, or no, 1.4 million whales staked to him. Given the the inflation of 4% and the current APR, APR of, I think, 11 or 12 point something percent of whale and a commission of five percent this validator earns around eight thousand to nine thousand whale a year which gives us a dollar value of just 300 per year so this validator is either running at a loss or running in, in very cheap in, in very cheap cloud providers because you can run validators with, with less than 20 bucks a month. But if we want to make sure that the system is as decentralized and as robust as powerful, we need to actually increase the cost or the revenue of those lower ranking validators. And there are multiple ways to achieve this. So first, a better distribution of, of stake. So the top validator, moving some stake from the top validators to the bottom validators. And second, and this is you know, pretty obvious, if the price goes up, you know, they, they still earn the same amount of tokens, but they are worth more dollars. And, and thirdly, not expanding the validator set too aggressively. So personally, I'm of the opinion of uh, unless really 80 or 90% of the validators are economically viable, which I think is around, at, which, which starts, I think, at 150 bucks a month, considering you know, personal costs and so on. Uh, unless unless this is the case, personally, I think validator sets shouldn't be increased unless there's some really you know, tangible reason for it. And in fact, just on a side note, I think many chains would do well having their validator sets right right now, but that probably won't happen. But just just some food for thought. Thanks, guys, for that. Um... Yeah, before you before we get into the questions, uh, so you guys can prepare your questions right now for Martin or Sandcom um, regarding observatory decentralization, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
Um, but first of all, we're going to uh, dive into the prices if we hit our milestones. Uh, so that's that's going to be a fun one. Um, so if we reach milestone one, which I'll remind you guys is uh, raise the Nakamoto coefficient by one, um, then uh, somebody, a random re-delegator, uh, which contributed to the decentralization of the network, uh, will earn $300 in whale token. Uh, if we hit milestone two, which is raising the Nakamoto uh, coefficient by um, by two, so that the Nakamoto coefficient is 12, um, two random re-delegators will earn $400 of whale, plus we'll get a 30-minute AMA with Sencom, where, where you can ask him all your questions that you have. And milestone three, which is, uh, in my opinion, the most interesting, <laughs> is three random uh, Delegators win uh, $500 uh, worth of whale. So we're going to select three random people that will earn uh, that re-delegated in order to uh, help the network decentralize um, and send them $500 worth of whale. And Sencom will shave his head. If if that is not an offer for the community, I don't know what is. So keep <laughs> your sacrifice. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, call that sacrificing for decentralization. So uh... I call it shave for decentralization. <laughs> and, and guys, so I had this funny idea. You guys know the hashtag ride the whale, right? You know it. But now I introduce you shave the whale. So let's let's see if we reach the milestone. <laughs> shave the decentralized megaloo and shave the whale. Okay. <laughs> that is super hilarious uh, the challenge will end uh, the last day of the conference so uh, exactly in one week seven days monday um and um if if we hit our milestones by then yeah we we will um give out the according prices uh, to our community um we also did a post that we published like 10 to 15 minutes ago where you can see all the milestones and the according prices of the challenge and uh, yeah the and also the link to the observatory is in there and uh, martin was so kind and uh, did a tutorial so i linked that as well um how to best make use of the observ observatory in order to decentralize the network so um uh, look out for the tweet uh, like i said it should be published like 10 or 10 or 15 minutes ago and um yeah let's let's have some fun let's uh, <laughs> let's see sencom losing his hair <laughs> i think I, I just got some dms i think kg you want to you might want to come up and share your two cents and I also see um, a lot of validators in here. Um, PFC, Akulio, I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Ginkgo Notes, you guys know it, high stakes. Um, guys, come up and share your your thoughts. I know there has been some some heated discussions going on in the Discord channels. So I'm, I'm very curious to, to hear your um, thoughts on this topic. Well, you know, I just, I, I would totally shave my head too, if, uh, if it helps. I'll throw my head, my hat in the ring. <laughs> um, 
um, I, I think it will help. I think it will. Um, I think I was just looking at the, you know, the observatory. I think it's amazing. Getting this data so clearly presented is just such a different experience. Like these are like, this is definitely data points that is not easy to come across, right? And so having this so accessible, being able to so clearly see like what needs to be moved or fixed or or what's going on is going to change change this whole process for us right it's been like almost like a mystery how do we fix this how do we move this who's doing what where's everybody at this is this is fantastic i'm very excited for this thank you it's a great work by the way thanks very much yeah we're investing a lot in in improving these data science pipelines and you know i, I should repeat again um the picture isn't perfect uh there are going to be there are going to be mistakes in there and we're happy to work with an evaluator that wants us to fix the mistakes on the observatory. And we're happy to you know, confront this with the data that we have. So we're always open to chat. We're always open to DMs. You've got our own Discord. If you were um, into correcting the data of the observatory, if you feel like there's something uh, there you need to fix, you know, reach out to us and we'll definitely talk. Nice. Uh, thank you for that. Um, any other questions from the audience, comments, remarks? Um, yeah. Uh, like Sandcom said, feel free uh, to come up and request to speak. Um, always happy to hear different opinions, thoughts, questions. JG, you wanted to say something? Um, mm, I just wanted to say I would shave my head too if Sandcom did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you heard the challenges. Um, raise the Nakamoto index by two and get um, ISPs and ASNs over 40% decentralization. So. Let's see, let's see um, what happens. Um, while we're waiting for questions to come up, I just want to mention that first, um, if you guys want, um, try out the hashtag shave the whale. I think if it raises, I think it really, although the hashtag is ridiculous, I think it raises a really important point. And I think um, having some awareness around this, um, not only in our community, but also in the broader Cosmos community, um, I think it's it's well placed there. So um, let let's make some noise and, and really decentralize our chain. The next step or another step, and secondly, um, Martin, who's you know CDO of Rockaway, they also um, they also have a conference in Prague this weekend. Um, I'll have the I have the great pleasure of. Um, being on a panel there, talk about cross-chain liquidity, and I have the great um, honor to hold a keynote presentation. So I would be very, very happy if you guys could, um, if you guys want to join either the conference in person or tune in for the live streams. Uh, I think there are camera teams present, right, Martin? Uh, yeah, of course. There'll be live streams. Perfect. So I think it's going to be an exciting weekend. Not only. Um, uh, I think especially for, for Migaloo and for Whitewell, I think it will give us a lot of um, you know, new reach and, and visibility. And I'm yeah, very grateful for, for working with you together, Martin, and with Rockaway. And I'm really looking forward to this challenge and also you know, the challenge, its results, and also the weekend. We're always happy to chat about the challenge. You know, we're, we'll be there in the in the Bigelow Discord. We'll also be in the Observatory Discord. You know, anywhere, 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 somebody wants advice or to talk about this, you know, investigate something, chat something through. Totally happy to participate, and we're game for you know uh, anything. Great. Yeah. Doesn't seem like anybody wants to come up. Yeah. All right. Um, 
Well, thank you for uh, for attending our spaces, Martin, explaining your product and um, yeah, helping uh, to for more transparency to decentralize the network more. Uh, I think we we learned today that it is that it is really important. It's not always the most flashiest thing, but um, it, it it is a, a an important cornerstone of every blockchain. Uh, the the degree. Uh, to which it is central uh, decentralized so um yeah uh, thanks everybody for attending uh, martin any last words from your side yes thanks very much for having us on we appreciate it looking forward to work with Miguel. all right um then that was it um we we gonna have maybe a cool announcement on thursday in our community call as well also regarding decentralization so look already look forward to that and um, other than that let's let's get the nakamoto coefficient up uh, let's get off of uh, obh and hetzner and uh, shave sencom's head see you in the next one bye bye guys bye bye <laughs> Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the White Whale Rockaway Special, recorded on Monday, May 29th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. principle in like Taoism. there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something the more like the opposite of what you want like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something the more like the opposite of what you want inevitably it kind of starts to happen tripping on the bird app listening to nerds flap wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed it's like everybody's holding heavy bags in web 3 that's why they can't fly they just drowning in the bird bath fishing for some dry powder watch how we ignite the tower blowing up their bank accounts forgetting how to fight the power y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes they preaching open sauce but don't listen to the code and now it's mutiny community uprise there's no more humility futility plus size motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles motherfucking west side shit needle and noose sticking with my armory yam beta and bruce repping psychedelic artistry believing the truth like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue gm fam is it really worth all the effort is it really worth all the fighting and the answer, I think, is a clear no. They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, this shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you, you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might, it might cost, cost us a lot more than, more than what can be gained, gained by like fighting this to the better end.
and sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.